Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco of DC Entrepreneur here in the studio with Omar Aru. He is the owner of The Escape Room in Herndon, Virginia. Welcome today. Thanks, George. Nice to be here. Talk to me about what The Escape Room is for people that haven't been to an escape room before. Sure. So the basic concept of an escape room is that you and your friends go into one of these uniquely themed rooms. It's a bit of an immersive environment. And your objective is to go through and discover what's going on in the room and then solve all the puzzles and mysteries within it. And one thing will lead to another. And ultimately, what you're trying to do is escape before the time runs out. The puzzles are created in advance for people to discover. How do these puzzles get created for the customers that come into the escape room? So everybody does it a little bit differently. Uh, What we tend to do is we get together as a group and we come up with the general theme of the room. What do we want this room to be based around? And then come up with ideas of uh, let's put together a few puzzles that make sense with that theme. And then one thing will lead to another and we'll ultimately string together a puzzle string. Then we'll try to intertwine those puzzle strings to make it more dynamic so you're not just following a single linear line. And that's how you'll do one thing early on in the game and then it'll have an effect in something that you do 30 minutes afterwards or something you solve early on will open up a box near the very end. And we work through that just kind of one thing leading to another to make it a more fun dynamic experience. And do the puzzles get revised as time goes on when you see how people interact with the rooms? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So what we'll do is we monitor each room and we're watching as people play. And as people continue to play, we can pick up on uh, what they're doing outside of what we'd expected. Because if you can imagine, we're building it um, just within our own minds. And we haven't actually play tested it. And once we play test it, we already know what it's going to do. But once you put the kind of the chaos theory of people in there without having any preconceived conceptions of what the room is, they'll discover creative new ways to solve puzzles that we never even thought of. And it'll blow our minds. We're like, wow, we didn't even gate that. They figured that out. That's a brilliant idea. Maybe we should change the puzzle in that way. And another thing that will happen is they will come up with, uh, they'll come up to a puzzle string and everyone will have a question and won't be able to solve them. We'll need to use a clue. Ultimately, what we get to is if everyone is asking for a hint at the same spot, then it's no longer the player's fault and it's the game. And so we have to make some adjustments to make sure the game is fair to the player. Don't hate the player, hate the game, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so how do you assemble a testing team that goes through and knows how to test whether the room operates effectively? Well, we use uh, some of our staff. We've got staff down in Richmond as well at Escape Room RVA. And they're a bunch of experienced escape roomists. Uh, they've played a bunch of games. They uh, game master a bunch of games. And then we also have friends of ours who uh, have tested some of our rooms in the past and are more than happy to give us the kind of feedback we're looking for and know what we're kind of looking for. We don't test it too thoroughly as far as uh, group after group. We just use a few distinct groups to tell us, okay, does this feel fair to you? If it's not fair, what needs to be adjusted? Is a puzzle too short? Is it too crowded? Is it too linear? Those th- sorts of things we'll test with them. 
So before we started recording, we were talking about how teams that come in and go to escape rooms find that this is a team building experience. And then they also learn how different team members play to different strengths. Can you talk to me a bit about how teams that go to escape rooms learn to communicate more effectively and, and better? Yeah, absolutely. So another half of what we do is the corporate team building aspect. Mm-hmm. So on the uh, on the weekends and in the evenings, Thursday and Friday night, we're open to the public so people can come in, birthday parties and whatnot. But during the week, we do corporate team building events. So it could be anything from 27 to 7 people that come in and play the room all at one time. We'll split them up into different groups and they'll all be playing at the same time. And these are coworkers who are used to doing events like, you know, bowling events, laser tag, that sort of thing. What we do is we put them in a room for an hour and they're forced to interact with each other in order to achieve the goal. They can't just kind of wallflower their way through it. They need to dive in and be interactive. And what we noticed is that there's certain dynamics between different corporate groups. And the story I was telling you earlier was this one team that had brought their young executives who were on a fast track. And they are different parts of the country that brought them all together for this week-long event. And this was one of those events that they were going to be uh, participating in. The executive sat with me in the control room to watch them play through the game. And they noticed how they were interacting with each other differently than they do out in when they're in public. And they know they're being observed by their, uh, um, by their uh, managers. So, for instance, one of the guys who was normally a very outgoing person set off on his own and started doing his own discovery. And he came across important parts of the game, but he didn't communicate it with the rest of the group. He kept Mm, it to himself and didn't share. And one of the other people uh, in the group was very involved with leading the team through the puzzle and didn't try to take all the glory. And this was something that they had anticipated, but were surprised to actually see it actually unfold in front of them. So I was telling you, after about five to ten minutes of starting the game, people forget that they're being watched. We monitor the room through closed-circuit cameras so we can keep track of where everyone is, provide them accurate clues, and so on. But they forget that they're being watched, and they revert to their natural, um, how could I say it, like social interactions. Default behaviors. Default behavior, yeah, Yeah. perfect. Like, we'll have some families who will come in and play, and then halfway through, they're starting to argue. <laughs> but it's it's weird because it's how they communicate, and they're getting a lot of things done, but it's in an aggressive manner. And we're worried, like, oh, they're having a horrible time. They're not enjoying themselves. And then with five minutes to go, they're high-fiving, they're cheering, they come outside, have no idea that their interactions were different than they thought it was. Like the way we see them acting is different than how they interpret their own reactions. Oh, that's fascinating. So it really gives you insight into human behavior and group dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell me about what it's like inside the control room. Is it as glamorous as you find in, uh, like a casino operator in Vegas? Yeah. So th- the way we have it set up is a game master will manage the group from the intro all the way through the debrief. So a game master will welcome the group into Escape Room Herndon. They'll talk to them about the rules and how to play an escape room and then give them the intro into the room. It's a brief kind of, this is your objective, this is the theme of the room, good luck. And then they'll come back into a control room where we have the monitors uh, set up so they can see everybody playing. And we also have headphones because the rooms are mics so we can listen into what they're doing. That allows us to really keep track of what they're doing within the game and how their puzzle is developing. 
That way, if they get stuck and they need a hint, we know exactly what to give them. What we get to observe, which is part of the really fun part of it for me, is how groups just kind of shine sometimes. Uh-huh. There, there'll be groups that'll come together and it sometimes it's mixed groups. Like we don't uh, cap off our bookings. So if, uh, sometimes you'll be mixed with a pair of other four people that you don't know. And groups will intertwine so well that we forget halfway through who came with whom. And they're mixing so well and they're talking and they're communicating and they're working together through the puzzles. It's fantastic to watch. And like I was saying earlier, one of the really joys for me is having people find a creative way to solve the puzzles that we never anticipated. And create. we encourage creativity. There's no way to break the game unless you're cheating. And the only way to cheat it is if you physically try to break something. But if you're using your creativity to solve the puzzles, that's that's a congratulations on you. That's nothing on that's nothing that we hold against you. So that's really fun for me to watch. When you're managing the teams, when someone's managing the teams there, how do they know when to give them a clue? That's a great question. It's it's actually surprisingly difficult to gauge how much help they want until you start providing it. Okay. So we know exactly where somebody should be in the uh, in the flow. Maybe plus or minus about 5 to 10 minutes. So if they're really falling behind, we might nudge them and say like, "Hey, would you like a hint? Would you like a little nudge to kind of push you in the right direction?" And lots of times people will ignore it and they don't want any help at all. And sometimes people will accept it but take it as kind of a shot against them and how they're playing. When in fact, it's us trying to move them along the puzzle string because we know there's some entertaining parts coming up that they'll really enjoy and it'd be a shame if they miss it. But you kind of just have to gauge the tone of the room. You ask questions and if they push back, then kind of ease back a little bit. If they interact with you through the monitor and just chatting it up with you, then it's okay to chat back with them um, through text. So our, our system's set up where we'll, uh, we listen in, but we provide text uh, feedback. So the text could be, it's hard to convey irony and sarcasm through text. <laughs> so you have to be careful yeah. of how you're interacting with the groups. So I was recently out at Escape Room Herndon uh, about a month ago with the DC PodFest team. And uh, really our team hasn't interacted with each other kind of in a, at a setting other than planning meetings uh, prior to the event. And I thought this was a really great way to bring people from different parts of the team to get them on the same page and just communicating with each other because there's nothing like a, a shared bonding experience. Um, the the room that we did was Mind Trap, which I thought was really fascinating because the the narrative behind that was that you had kind of like a Hannibal Lecter scenario. Um, you're in you're locked in his den, and uh, if you don't get out in time, you're basically there for for lunch or dinner, <laughs> whatever time I guess you go. Is there like a, a a community of people that build games that are game creators that come up with these narratives to have for these escape rooms? So yeah, the 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 community itself is pretty large. It's a it's a tight knit community. A lot of people. Um, all across the country in the U.S. I mean, in the U.S., it didn't come here until, I believe, 2012. And now we have maybe upwards of 1,000 to 2,000 escape rooms across the country. So it's really wow. blown up very quickly. And there are different ways that people will get the, their themes and their escape rooms. There's franchises that are available. There's, there's companies that will sell complete kits of here's an escape room. Just install it, write it, and do what we say. And then there you have your puzzles. And then there those who come up with the puzzles themselves. 
We're part of a company called Raven Chase Adventures, and they've been around for 14 years doing amazing race-type adventures all around the globe. So they'll do citywide uh, tours and adventures and treasure hunts. And uh, my stepbrother happens to own Raven Chase, and he started an escape room down in Richmond called Escape Room RVA. From there, we've brought over some of the themes. Uh, so Mind Trap was originally built uh, as part of the initial build mm-hmm. in Richmond. We brought it over and adapted it and created a 2.0 version so that about 50% to maybe 30% of the game is similar to what it was in Richmond and the rest of it is entirely different. So uh, you might remember when you played it, there's something that happens about maybe 15 minutes into it. Everything after that 15-minute point didn't exist before in the previous build. Um, And then we also develop our own internally. So Dreamscape, which is one of our other rooms, was developed as part of our launch. And we came up with an entirely new theme, new puzzles, everything's from the get-go. So it varies, really. There's no right way to do it. There's just a preference. We prefer to create as much of the puzzle as we can internally to provide as unique an experience as we can to everybody across the country. So if you've played an escape room in L.A., it's going to be different than what we have here, even if it's the same uh, theme. Is the idea to have these different themed rooms tour, in essence, where they're you know in one location for a short period of time and then have them in Richmond or another location or is it to always create a, a fresh experience every few months to rotate through these different uh, games? Yeah, yeah. I would say that the touring idea fits for some of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for instance, Supervillain Room, which we're going to be opening up in a couple weeks, is almost identical to the one that was run in Richmond. Um, the reason is because it was such a good game. So... You'll develop a game and you'll build a puzzle string and you'll identify that this works correctly on so many levels. And they retired the room. So we thought, let's take the opportunity, bring it up to Northern Virginia and open it up to this market so everyone up here gets a chance to play this game right. as well. Um, so some of not all games get toured. Like we retired Mary in the Black, which was our previous room where Supervillain went. And that was a really fun room, but right now it's sitting in storage. Uh, we might repurpose some of the um, the props and parts, but we're probably not going to run that game again. What other types of businesses do you work with in order to create the escape room uh, experience? Is it interior designers? Is it puzzle masters? Do you have cryptologists working with you? I mean, like, how do you who do you work with to create this overall experience? So a couple of the things that we do is uh, we use a production company called JED Bennett in Richmond, and they've been with Raven Shades for a long time, and they build a lot of our set props. So they do the theatrical build for all the rooms. We use props out of uh, the the trigger props that we use. They come out from Chicago. So okay. we'll buy some of the mechanics there, and then we'll build it into our puzzles and into the games. Because we're not electrical engineers. You have to buy the props somewhere. So we do that with them. And then uh, we had somebody... Uh, come in and build our door for the crypt, which I don't believe you've seen yet, but the, it's it took a wood panel door and made it look like a gothic stone door. And that took her about two days to do, and it's it's awesome. It looks really good. It's exactly what we wanted. So we take advantage of the artistic skills of the people around us and people in our community and help them develop the rooms the way we want it to look. 
As far as the puzzle strings, we primarily try to do that in-house as much as possible. Let's talk about your path as an entrepreneur. Uh, I know from your history, you, you mentioned that um, when we were speaking before that you had done sales. Uh, you were with Dell Tech, you were with Genesis, and now you're an entrepreneur. You're here uh, creating this escape room experience for the local community in Herndon, Virginia, and Northern Virginia. Uh, what does your path as an entrepreneur look like? How did you end up in that in that way in your career where you're you're now a business owner? Right. Um, it, it's kind of surprising because I had done sales, I believe it was for 16 years, if I do the math right. And I was in a very good company for a long time uh, doing computer wholesale. And I loved the job. It was fantastic. And I did that for 13 years until it started becoming um, a pattern more than it was fun. I would go in, I take orders, I place orders, and then I call it a day. And there was it was there was no passion involved anymore. So I started looking for d- different passions and things I could pursue, and I came up with different types of business ideas. Trying to work with my friends to come up with things so we could start our own company. Then I had the opportunity to work with a friend of our family's, uh, Julia Aksu, who owns Par Seven, and she started a company called it's called Listenport now. And she said, hey, if you've got all this spare time, come run with me. I'm doing this entrepreneur thing and I could use your help. So I went with her for about three months or so. Whenever I had spare time, I would go work with her and help her on the company. And it, I just immediately fell in love. Everything she did, the way she took everything on on her own and then used the team around her for support, I just immediately thought, this is fantastic. I, I want to be, I want to have a part of this. Uh-huh. So that's, I think, where the seed started. Seeing her do that over and over again, day after day, made me fall in love with the concept of being an entrepreneur. The, from there, I'd find something that I was passionate in. And I tried to do sales for a while, but it wasn't it wasn't sales so much that I've always been passionate in. It's the customer service and the customer interaction that's really been the driver for me. So every one of the sales jobs I've had, it's more of a, been a relationship build than it has been... Um, trying to land a big contract with somebody and then shake hands and never see them again or never talk to them again. I never enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed building relationships with customers. And doing escape rooms provides that opportunity for me because now I get to interact with customers all the time. I get to bring joy to customers and receive their feedback and adjust our games to make them better for the next person that comes along. And I... I'm very fortunate to have that ability to interact with people in that manner where you're making people happy and they're happy to make you more successful so you can provide that joy for other people. And they'll they'll spread the word for you because they had a fantastic time. They want other people to have a fantastic time. And then that just snowballs into a, a scenario where you're improving every day to do something that you're passionate about. So why escape rooms in, in particular? Why escape rooms? Because there's, you know, other paths for entrepreneurs. You can be a franchise owner. You can start something that you've done, which you said sales previously. Yeah. Why specifically escape rooms? So I'm a lifelong gamer. I've been gaming since I could remember gaming existed. Um, and back in my father's basement, I used to play adventure games. 
So games like King's Quest, which will date me to anybody who's Oh, I remember familiar. that. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So it's uh, adv- it's adventure games. And what you would do is you go around and you collect objects. And those objects you carry in your inventory and they would be part of a puzzle string. And then eventually you'd come up to a door and you need a key. Well, where is that key? It's like, oh, it's in the... Uh, it's in a hole inside of a tree at the very beginning of the map that you first went to. And you have to go there and then you need an axe so you can cut it down. So it, very early on, I fell in love with the idea of essentially puzzle strings and games. And escape rooms provide that opportunity for me to create games without having the technical background of uh, coding, which I have no idea how to do. But now I get to provide games to people so they can play and I can create them with my mind and work with my friends to come up with different ways to make these games. So escape rooms are a combination of customer service and gaming, which both things I was passionate about. And I was introduced to it by my stepbrother. I was trying to pitch him on the idea, actually, of starting a 3D filament company. Wait, wait, say that again? So so 3D printers use filament. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to take what I had learned in computer wholesale and sales and apply it to 3D filament. Uh-huh. Now, there was it wasn't something that I was really into. I just knew how it worked. And I was like, oh, well, we could do this. It'd be easy. We'd set up a site, blah, 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 and do this. And I was trying to pitch him on the idea of it during a summer vacation. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. Before you do any of that, Come visit me. Come play the escape room. Let me know what you think. And then we'll talk about what you should do in the future. So I was like, all right, I'll take you up on that. I went to go visit him in October. And I remember it very clearly because they squeezed me into a game that already had, I think it was seven people in it. So seven people all knew themselves and I joined in with them. It was the original Crypt, actually. And I went to go play. And by the end of 60 Minutes, we burst out of the door, cheering, high-fiving, hugging, having a fantastic time. And I was immediately blown away and in love with the whole idea and the concept and the camaraderie. I had to do it. I, I had immediately at that point, I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's tell me what we need to do next. And then we started in November, figuring out where we want to uh, put a spot and hasn't hasn't stopped. Tell me about some of the challenges you face as a business owner. And what what things do you find uh, create difficulty running a business of this sort? All right. So there are two different things that keep me up. Uh One is the obvious unknown, because uh, like I said before, my background is in sales. I, I haven't looked at legal papers ever. And so... I learned immediately, like, okay, you're going to read a lot of papers, a lot of documents. You're going to sign a lot of things and really have to learn right away what you're doing. So that was the part that immediately caught me off guard. It's like, okay, am I doing everything I'm supposed to as far as taxes, legality? Am I signing contracts I shouldn't? All that stuff that I'd never known before and really didn't have much guidance in. Um, So that was the immediate surprise to me. It's like, you're responsible for everything. Immediate, like Until you start hiring people who can take care of it for you, it, it starts and stops with you. Right. So, yay, I, I get to build puzzles, but I don't get to do that for like four or five months. First, I need to find a lease, sign a lease, uh, start a business name, all the other stuff that I had no idea I had to do. I ran back and forth from Fairfax, going to the courthouse, going to the fire marshals uh, before I even touched a puzzle. So. Yeah. 
that that was surprising to me. Once I decided to start the business, finding out all the things that you had to do in order to actually start that business. So a lot of the setup, a lot of really just like you said, the paperwork, making sure that um, the way that you know the, the business is set up and incorporated, that you you have uh, kind of the veil protection there. Yep. Um, really any of the things that a creative entrepreneur doesn't want to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, tell me what it's like, you know, working with uh, kind of a creative community like that. I mean, because I would imagine the people you employ love puzzles, love games, um, and probably have creative ways of going about marketing and, and helping people um, learn about what you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They come up with some really great ideas. And I, I have to be fair in saying that I am probably slow to adapting those ideas as they would like. They'll come up with like I've had them come up with entire puzzles for rooms. That's like that's great. We can't build that room yet. We still have to finish the four rooms that we have on tap before we can start that room. But I appreciate their effort. I mean, they, there was one puzzle that we put into Crip just recently by uh, one of our uh, managers, Megan, and we ran it one time. Because uh, immediately we're, we love the puzzle, but it threw the customer off. And we're like, okay, we, I love the puzzle. We just have to find a different place to put it. And things like that that we adapt along the way. Like they're, they're watching these games um, for an hour straight most of the time. Most of the weekends they'll watch it over and over and over again. And they'll know how to tweak things to make them better. And what's missing, what's confusing customers. And they'll provide that feedback to me. So then we'll work on it. And that's, that's the other part of the things that keep me up at night. I'll wake up like four o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, we should zip tie that skeleton down. And that was one of the things I did today. (laughs) (laughs) In context, those business owners don't have to really deal with that issue unless probably they're in a very different business than most people are. But yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So it, it, there, it seems to me there's a lot of overlap between being an entrepreneur and solving a puzzle, right? <laughs> how does uh, solving puzzles, just for people in general, like, how does that help people develop life skills? People come into an escape room and have preconceived con- notions of their ability to solve the puzzles. So they'll come in and think to themselves, I'm not really great at this puzzle thing. I'm just here because the group's here and I want to, you know, it's a team building thing. I had to come. I had to be a part of it. They're the people who will dive in and identify things that everybody else is overlooking or overthinking. They'll come up with a simplistic solution. When somebody is trying to map out the coordinates of something on a map, they'll come in and be like, what if it just matches this note? It's like, oh, well, that seems too simple. And that's the answer. And they'll come in with that kind of uh, solution that they didn't even think they had in them. So they'll come out of it thinking to themselves, wow, I'm a lot better at this than I thought I was. I should give myself a little bit more credit because what I see is a unique perspective. And I should take advantage of that instead of coming in with preconceived notions of my abilities as a problem solver. So, uh, Omar, where can people get more information about Escape Room Herndon? So, our website is escaperoomherndon.com. And you can gather information there. We have an FAQ page, um, just like most other people would. We also have a Facebook site and Twitter, and Instagram. So it's easy to get information from us there, but we're also available uh, for any questions too. Excellent. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. 
Please tune in to our next episode. And thanks for listening.